Amen. I need to get my Bible. Can you bring up the first slide? Um, we, uh, Jordan and I were talking about uh, some of the current issues that are facing the church and uh, decided that we would do this little series on living between the lines. Now, it, that came from a statement that, that I heard myself say to somebody recently, somebody had done something wrong, and I just said to them, look, you see, if you live your life between the lines, it's simple. Once you stray beyond the lines, then it's difficult. But there's a problem, and the problem is that the lines have been blurred. So there, there's a, a lot of gray areas today that, that maybe um, the church has been silent and not spoken out against um, or spoken up for. And in this series, we want to, uh, to clearly draw the lines again, and we want uh, our folks to live between the lines. Now, this is a little bit scary, which is why I asked Jordan to, to put two chairs here this morning. One was for me because I'm going to do most of the talking. So I'm going to, I'm going to sit down. <laughs> um, and the reason why I'm going to sit down is because I asked him to interview his mom and dad at our first supper in September, and I gave him the questions to ask them, and he didn't stick to the questions that I gave him. And I've asked him to ask me some questions. And to be perfectly honest with you, I don't know exactly what he's going to ask me. Um, I, have, I have prepared myself as best I can. So um, the other reason why I asked for chairs was that he would be sitting there and he wouldn't be able to run around the platform. <laughs> All right. So do you, do you want to come and take a seat here? I'll maybe move this out of the way so that everybody this, can see us. Am I on? This is no word of a lie. This morning, on the way back from church, down to Jamor in the car with Chloe, I said I noticed this morning that I actually had to stand still in the first opening seconds because I was watching everybody do this across the platform. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working on it. I'll get there. <laughs> yeah. This is a bit like this is your life, isn't it? Sunday. <laughs> I got something to hold me up. <clears throat> All right. Sorry, Andy. I'll move that. Just talk amongst yourselves. Go ahead. Ask the first question there. Okay. So, um, as, as Pastor Phil was saying, uh, this is our, our new series, um, small short talks and hot topics slash living uh, between the lines. And, and obviously, our first talk tonight is all about marriage and relationships. And so the first question um, that I really had tonight was this. So for a couple, whether, you know, you've been on the road in marriage for, for decades and decades and decades, or um, you have just recently been married, or you're thinking about getting married, or you are praying about somebody to marry, um, any, any of those things, what is God's ideal? What is God's vision for marriage? 
What does that look like in the biblical model? That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, it's, it's got different aspects to it. And uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to dive into it in, in a moment. Um, the, the ideal is for one man and one woman to come together in covenant relationship. And that covenant relationship should mirror the relationship that God has with his people. And God never, ever, ever breaks covenant. And he expects us to keep the promises that we make as well. All right? So that, that, I would say that, that that would be the ideal. Now, if you were going to ask me the question that you said you were going to ask me about what would you say to young couples who were thinking about getting married, well, the Apostle Paul has got something very, very special to say to those who are thinking about getting married. And uh, you'll find this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And verse 1 says, It is good for a man not to marry, but those who marry, <laughs> but those who marry will face many troubles in this life. Now, if, if you're here tonight and you are married and you are experiencing trouble in your marriage, you were told if you'd read Scripture, that you would have trouble. All of us have trouble. And the reason why we have trouble is because we are self-centered. And sometimes that self-centeredness expresses itself in selfishness, which can lead to us um, manipulating the individual who is our spouse. Um, now, there's a, a a lot of contention around these verses. Some people say that the Apostle Paul was never married, and that was his advice. Other people say that the Apostle Paul was married, and that he had been widowed, and because of the work that he was involved in, in missionary activity, he, he realized that as a widowed individual, he had no responsibilities at home, and he was able to go and do whatever he wanted to do. All right, so that was just a little bit of fun. All right, okay. Well, the band want to come up. That's us for tonight. Don't get married. Come on, no. Uh, first, so then it kind of takes us on to what, where we're going to next, really, is this. So for a married couple, um, again, maybe this particularly links to people, again, who have just got married, who are thinking about getting married. In terms of their two families, right? So you're a McAllister, obviously. Yeah. Ruth was a Campbell. Yeah. How did you guys navigate that with two families, two traditions, two ways of doing life, two ways of doing faith as well, I suppose? How did you guys navigate that as a married couple? All right. Well, um, whenever some, some of you will, will know this already, but whenever um, you are going to be married here, um, Ruth and I will take you through a pre-marital course. And one of the first things that, that we do is we give you a piece of paper and ask you to draw two circles on it. So those are the two circles. And then in each of the circle, put your, your surname. So we have the McAllister circle and the Campbell circle there. And then the, the young couple is asked to draw another circle which will represent 
their new family and where it fits on the page with the other two circles. All right? Now, that's the first response. And most people will say, we're going to bring two families together. Now, that's a little bit idealistic. And those of you who have been married for a long period of time know that the only time that you pull those two families together is at Christmas when a child is born or when there's a funeral or a wedding. That's the only time that they will ever be in the same room together. So you're not going to be able to do that. There is another response which, which everybody uh, at some point has, has done, and this is they want to make one big happy family. All right? Now, that, that is just not going to happen. All right? I'm, I'm telling you that now. It's not going to happen. Philip and Ruth will never, ever make all the McAllisters, like all of, them, all of the Campbells, and we're not going to be together in one big happy family. All right? There is another response, and this one here will, will let you know that there is trouble right away. Um, that's, that's the one that I would have liked to have drawn, um, but it included some of hers. Maybe she would have drawn it around her circle. Um, but that, that would highlight that there is a real danger. All right? Now, the scriptural model is this one here. And it's Philip and Ruth were creating their own family. Now, I, there, is, there is scripture that goes with this, so I, I will read it to you. It comes from Genesis chapter 2, and this is the, the scriptural background to all of this. The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, that's, that's the first key. Marriage is for companionship and for help. Now, the Lord God had formed out of the ground all of the beasts uh, of the field and all of the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock and the birds of the air and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and brought her to the man. The man said, boy, she looks good. Now, um, let me let me just pause there because we we were we were talking talking over in the hall before we came over, and one of the questions you were going to ask was relating to um, individuals maybe who are looking for a partner for life. The first thing is that there needs to be some kind of spark between you. There needs to be some kind of sexual attraction because if there isn't, it's not going to last too long. And the Lord God made woman so that, that she would be beautiful and she would be attractive to the man. Now, whenever young couples come to us, one of the questions that we ask in, or is asked when they, they do their homework on body image, what body part do you admire most uh, in, your, in your fiance? And the majority of them will say, eyes. Love their eyes, or she's got a beautiful mouth, love her mouth, or nice fingers, 
You know, well, you need to be downright honest about this. There, there is such a thing as sexual attraction, and God created that so that, that couples would come together. Um, the other thing that I would say to, to young people here this evening, there are, there are people that you will naturally be drawn to. But if you are a Christian and you are a professing Christian, look for someone who is a Christian. Life can become very, very complicated if you're unequally yoked. And a lot of people, um, you know, they, they end up in relationships with people who are not Christians. And I've witnessed it over the years where one individual who is not a Christian will come along to church to keep the other one happy until they get married and then they disappear. Now, thankfully, in some cases, individuals do commit their lives to Christ. And, and you're going to see later on just exactly how that benefits the relationship. So my advice to young people is, if you're looking for someone, make sure that the spark's there. That's the first thing. But the second thing is, make sure that they're a Christian, if you are. And, and seek. And let me, let me finish reading the, the scripture here before you. Um, where, where am I? Verse 23. Um, the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Now, the, the two, two circles, uh, can we go back to that one? Uh, Chris, sorry. Yes, that one. No, the next one. That one there. Um, the ideal for Christian marriage, or the ideal for any, any marriage, when, when a young man comes out of his family and a young woman comes out of her family, is that, that they put all of their energies into the new circle. That becomes the most important circle on the page. That they, they put all of their energy into that circle. The two lines and arrows on them mean that they relate back to their family. And that should be equal. Ideally, that should be equal. Now, ge geography means that it's, sometimes it's not possible. You will live closer to one family than you do to the other and, and all of that. But where, wherever possible, you try to spend time with um, in-laws as much as your own parents and family as well. All right? So, anyway, that's, that's where we would start. Can you take it forward to the one, please? Because when, when Philip and Ruth became one, um, one flesh, when, when I was thinking about one flesh, I was thinking about we would be one in body, we would be one in mind, and we would be one in spirit. Can you just bring that one up? Um, that's how we're created. Body, mind, and spirit. So we would be one. To, re to go back to, to the two circles, you don't actually have to go there, Chris, but um, like on a practical level, right, when yeah, you yeah. And, and Ruth first got married, no, um, 
and we're talking about you know coming out from two families was there anything like on a, on a practical level that you can remember and you're like oh my goodness like <laughs> either i'm gonna kill her or i'm gonna kill philip one of the two were you guys actually there was something that you guys had to negotiate on something that you remember that you actually had to sit down okay okay my family did it like this your family did it like that but this is how we're gonna go forward as a new family oh man I can, I can give you several examples. I don't, know whether, <laughs> I don't know whether Ruth would want me to give you them, but um, the, the thing, thing was, my, my family was not a Christian family. I was the first Christian in my family. So, so we were raised with different values. Um, I mean, Sunday, we, I was sent to church as a kid, but Sunday was never a, a big thing in my life, but Ruth's parents were, were Christians, so, so her day was completely different to my day, you know? And the big match was on on Sunday afternoon, and I liked watching the big match. But she wasn't allowed to watch TV on a Sunday. And so that, that was a bit of a difficult day. Um, um, that, that's only a, a minor thing, you know? Um, she would sit with one eye on the window to see if her mom and dad were coming to call and visit on us. And the TV would go off quickly before they would get into the house. Um, but my mom was um, uh, an auxiliary nurse in Carrickfergus Hospital in the maternity department. And uh, she, was, she was excellent at her job. And I remember when Stephen was born that we would come and visit on a, on a Sunday and uh, leave Stephen with my mom and dad and we would go to church and, and then we'd go and get Stephen and mom would grill Ruth. Now my mom was overbearing, all right? Um, Can you testify to that, Ruth? Or are you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, she will, easily. Um, but, but my mom would say, no, 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 don't do that, do this. And she was feeding Stephen herself and my mom would say, no, you're not doing that right. Now, six days in the week, he was doing all right. <laughs> you know, but, but on the seventh day, he wasn't doing all that well, you know, because my mom said he wasn't doing well. And, and, you know, the way we put the nappies on him was different to the way that she did and all the rest of it. Now, in the car on the way home, I would get it. Why don't you stand up to your mother? And why don't you say something? And I, I would say something like this. We're only there for a couple of hours. <laughs> Just suck it up. And when we get home, we'll raise them however we want. All right? She's not going to say that, you know? And I didn't think it was worth troubling the waters, causing trouble with my mom. And I would put my hand up now and say I should have spoken up yeah. for my wife. So that's something you would have done differently going yep. back? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and really it's about finding your own way of raising your house. So then what about this then, if for in terms of your, your marriage to, to Ruth, how did that then impact kind of, actually do you not know, we'll save it for later. That one's further down the, further down the seat. This is what he means about me lobbing questions at different times. What I was going to ask was, in terms of, again, for, for couples, whether it's, it's, it's uh, pre-marital, well, pre-marital especially, is there anything that you would say in terms of what's off limits, things to do practically before you get married um, that young Christian couples should be looking out for in terms of holiness and in terms of purity? All right. 
Okay, let's, well, can, can, can I answer it? Over, over, all right, okay. Um, one in body, now we, we are born as, as um, sexual individuals. So you bring up the next slide, uh, Chris. And, and this is a very important um, verse of scripture in Hebrews 13. Marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. All right? Now, I, I want you to, to really hear me on this. And maybe, maybe you've never heard me or any other pastor speak the way I'm going to speak now. But sex is a gift from God. It is something that is beautiful. It is something that is enjoyable. It is something that God intended to be within the marriage relationship for a couple to explore and enjoy together. All right, so when it says that marriage is honorable and the bed undefiled, what that really means is whatever two individuals in the intimacy of their own relationship are comfortable with is okay. All right, you with me? I, I, let me know that I'm not out here on, on my own here. All right, so, so whatever, whatever, but as soon as somebody says, I don't like that, or I'm uneasy about this, or please don't ask me to do that, then you shouldn't do it. You should prefer one another, and love is what the scripture says. So the marriage bed is undefined. And for somebody to sit and tell you that you can only have sex in a particular position and, and that kind of thing is, is just totally wrong. It's, it's for, there for young couples and older couples to enjoy together and to explore. So the marriage bed is undefined. But there's a, there's a couple of other things that are mentioned there. And uh, you bring up the next slide, Chris. Oh, well, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about this first. Um, when the marriage bed is, is undefiled, then these things are absolutely out. Sexual violence, sexual bullying, sexual abuse, uh, sexual assault, and hateful speech. No place, absolutely no place within any married couple's relationship. There were a couple of other things that, um, that were in that verse of Scripture, and one was fornication and the other is, is adultery. And if you want to bring that slide up, fornication is premarital sex. Now, um, this is where the area has become blurred in recent years, recent decades, um, where young couples find themselves in a position where they don't know how to set sexual boundaries for themselves before they get married. And that can cause all kinds of problems. Um, if God's intention was that for one man and one woman to be together, to enjoy each other for life, then if somebody goes off and does something before they meet the real person that, that they're going to spend their life with, there can be sexual hang-ups 
that can interfere with the marriage relationship. Some things may be bad that have happened in a previous relationship um, can, can affect the marriage relationship there. So the, the ideal here is for um, couples to remain pure until they come together as husband and wife. Um, and then the other one is, is adultery, which is extramarital sex. And, and that, that also is, is a no-no. Now, I, w- I will say this, um, Jordan, that there is nothing that anybody has, has committed that can't be covered by the blood of Jesus. And that there is forgiveness. Thank God there is forgiveness for, for anyone who, who oversteps the mark, either before marriage or in marriage. Um, I, remember, I remember whenever I came into the ministry at first that um, I, was <clears throat> I was in a position where someone came to me one day and said, do you actually believe what you've just preached this morning, that there is nothing that God cannot forgive? And I said, absolutely. Otherwise, I wouldn't be in the ministry. And, and this lady asked if she could see me. And, and she opened up about some of the things that had happened to her as, as a young woman. And, and they were forced on her. And it was affecting her relationship, her current relationship with her husband. And um, I, re- I remember going through a period of, of counseling with her. I really didn't know what I was doing. And I got to the point where I got in touch with the, the principal of the Bible college. And I said, look, I, I, I don't even know what I'm doing here. I wasn't trained for this. Um, you need to help me. And he said to me, Philip, all I can say to you is, she's got your trust and she's opened up to you. You stay as close to the Lord as you possibly can and depend on the Holy Spirit to guide you. Now, it worked out all right. It worked out all right. I remember um, they, they left the church. They, they moved to another area. And I got a letter from her saying, we are one in Christ. And things have been sorted out in the relationship. So there is, there is nothing either that an individual has done themselves or had done to them that can't be covered by the blood of Jesus. And I would say this to, to anybody that's, that's here tonight. If, if any of this sort of touches your heart, don't keep quiet about it. Don't keep quiet about it. Talk, and, and I'm not, I'm, I'm, I don't take all that on myself anymore. I learned a big lesson there. Um, the big lesson was that, that I needed to sign post people to the right place where they could get help. And I know where individuals can get help. So if anybody has, has any, any problem at all with what I'm saying, if you just say to me, I will, I will sign post you. And, and we've got really good individuals who are trained who can help in, in those areas. I don't even know where we are now in my presentation. Bring up the next slide for me. Oh, this is this is the manual. All right, this is what the manual states. There was um, uh, a commission that was set up just before the last general assembly, looking at human sexuality, and and they decided rather than focusing on same-sex marriage, that they would focus on marriage, and and point out what the ideal should be 
and, and then anything that was deviant from that, that they would list it. So we believe uh, members of the body of Christ, enabled by the Spirit, can and should refrain from unmarried sexual intercourse, sex between people of the same sex, extramarital sexual relations, polygamy, that's a man having more than one wife, or polyandry, which is a woman having more than one husband. Pornography, bring up the next slide. Sexual violence in any form, including rape, sexual assault, sexual bullying, hateful speech, marital abuse, incest, sex trafficking, forced marriage, female genital, genital mutilation, bestiality, that's having sex with animals, sex harassment, and the abuse of minors and any other vulnerable populations. All right, so that, that's, that's all wrong. It's all wrong according to Scripture, and that's, that's the position they come out on. I will say this, and Chris, just bring up the next slide. The body of Christ should always be a place of justice, protection, and healing for those who are, who have been, and who continue to be affected by sexual violence. This is a sanctuary. This is a safe place. And you should feel safe whenever you come to the house of God. All right? Um, we'll say this. If anybody's got a question, we're not going to ask for it tonight. But there, there are little cards outside. And if you have a question, you can write it and just leave it anonymous. And we can come back to this at some point in the future. All right? Okay? Yeah, yeah so you, you, we were talking about this um, earlier on. I see you said a great line, which was, um, anything that's wrong, God can put right. Yeah. Anything that's wrong, God can put right. And no matter what our mess-ups have been, no matter what parts of the line that have gone crooked along the way in our relationships, God can put right again. Um, but, but the next question really is... is can, can I just say something? Go, yeah. tell that, right? and, and God can put it right. But, but the church can help to put it right as well. So if, if somebody is in a situation of um, premarital relations, we, we can put that right. You know, it, it just... It just takes me to stand here and say, will you take this woman to be your, your lawfully wedded wife? And, and, and that's it. We can put it right. It's not, it's not a difficulty. Yeah. 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 And, and, and I will always walk with couples uh, in, in situations like that because as a pastor, I want to put a wrong right. And, and God can change that dramatically. All right. Okay. What does it mean uh, in, the, in the context of marriage, in the context of that relationship um, to be one in mind. I know it says body there, but what does it mean to be one in mind? All right, we'll bring it up. Um, one in mind is next. Uh, the teachers of the law who came, this is in Mark chapter 3, uh, who came down from Jerusalem said, he's possessed by Beelzebub, by the prince of demons. He's driving out demons. So Jesus called them over to him and began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And then this verse, if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand either. Now, let's go back to the wee circles. All right? Mentioned before, 
different values, different traditions, all the rest of it. One of the things that young couples have to face really, really quickly is, what are you going to do on Christmas Day? All right? Now, I will tell you that for the first three years of our marriage, I was like the vicar of Dublin. We would, we would have Christmas lunch with Ruth's parents, and my mom delayed Christmas lunch till dinner time until we arrived. So we had two turkey dinners and two Christmas puddings on the one day. Uh, and it's because of tradition. What is the tradition in the family? Do you open your presents first thing on, on, on Christmas morning? Do you go to church first and then open your presents? I, I've known young couples fall out over Christmas presents. Anyway, it's a meeting of the mind. And a meeting of the mind really means that there needs to be submission. There needs to be something that we don't like to talk about. And that's compromise. All right. Um, pull up the next slide, Chris. So, a meeting of the minds, and the next one. Um, don't touch that one just yet. <laughs> All right. Now, this this little video that you're going to see um, is is a, a pastor called Mark Gunger. Some of you have seen this before. I've shown this before in church. But not only do uh, husband and wife come from different families men and women are completely wired differently alright let's, let's have a look at Mark Gunger and see what he says men's brains, women's brains and how they're very different from each other now I want to start with men's brains alright, now men's brains are, are very unique. Men's brains are made up of little boxes. And we have a box for everything. We've got a box for the car. We've got a box for the money. We've got a box for the job. We've got a box for you. We've got a box for the kids. We've got a box for your mother somewhere in the basement. We've got, we got, we, we got boxes everywhere. And, and the rule is, the boxes don't touch. When a man discusses a particular subject, we go to that particular box, we pull that box out, we open the box, we discuss only what is in that box. All right? And, and, and then we close the box and put it away being very, very careful not to touch any other boxes. <laughs> now women's brains are very, very different from men's brains. Women's brains are made up of a big ball of wire. <laughs> and everything is connected to everything. <laughs> the 
money's connected to the car, and the car's connected to your job, and your kids are connected to your mother, and everything's connected to everything. And it was like... It's like the internet superhighway, okay? <laughs> and it's all driven by energy that we call emotion. It's, it's one of the reasons why women tend to remember everything. <laughs> because if you take an event and you connect it to an emotion, it burns in your memory and you can remember it forever. The same thing happens for men. It just doesn't happen very often because quite frankly, we don't care. <laughs> all right. Women tend to care about everything. And she just loves it. <laughs> okay. Now men, we have a box in our brain that most women are not aware of. This particular box has nothing in it. In fact, we call it the nothing box. <laughs> and of all the boxes a man has in his brain, the nothing box is our favorite box. <laughs> if a man has a chance, he'll go to his nothing box every time. <laughs> That's why a man can do something seemingly completely brain dead for hours on end. You know, like fishing. <laughs> now they've actually measured this. The University of Pennsylvania a couple of years ago did a study and discovered that men have the ability to think about absolutely nothing and still breathe. You know, they connected all the wires and stuff like that and watched the brain activity, then all of a sudden, he I think he's dead. Huh? You know. Women can't do it. They can't do it. Their minds never stop. And, and they don't understand the nothing box. And it drives them crazy. Because nothing drives a woman more crazy or makes her feel more irritated than to witness a man doing nothing. Right. Let me let me just, just say I, what I, I Ruth and I went through through that course in, in Canada a number of years ago when when I was speaking at a at a camp meeting and, and in the mornings they, they had Mark Gunger's DVDs. Um, would you be interested in going through the DVDs, young couples couples? Um, if if we did it on a like a Wednesday night after um, we've finished Christianity Explored, maybe maybe start in October, would one person would. That's right. Yeah. We could set it up as an alternative to another Bible study. So we could have 
have a group of people go through the, the series. He actually is, is really, really good um, on Christian marriage. And, and I, I think that you would get a lot out of it. All right, so we can, we can maybe have a look at that. All right. So you're going to ask about meetings and minds. You're going to ask me anything else. First of all, I think with some scriptures tying directly to um, what it is to be one in mind. Do you want to take us through those? Well, yeah, I will do. Um, um, one thing I want to say here is that, that you really do need to be very, very careful about what you say. When... Uh, <clears throat> Whenever you use certain words or phrases and they're out there, it's very, very difficult to pull them back in again. Um, so you just need to be very, very careful about how you speak to your, your spouse. Proverbs, is that 18? Uh, 21, the, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. Um, and you have the power to build someone up or you have the power to destroy them. Um, Ephesians 4 said, do not let any, any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others or others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And in 1 Peter 3, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Meaning of the mind, be careful what you say. We were, we were most of you know, we were at um, Johnny and... Um, Naomi's wedding yesterday down at Lusty Beg. We stayed over in Irvinstown last night, came back this afternoon, and Ruth said to me in the car, I'm really looking forward to hearing what you've got to say tonight. <laughs> After I'd said something, all right? And, and we stopped for something to eat because our minds were not on the same page in the car, were they? No. Not at all. And, and we get out of the car. We were going to, we were going to go to get something to eat. And, and, and it just shows you how, how ridiculous these things are. And, and we get out of the car. And, and we were walking along. And she slipped her hand into mine. And I said to her, our minds not be, may not be united, but our hands still are. And you need to be very, very careful what you say, because some things you say, no matter how much you apologize, they will be burned into the mind of your spouse. All right. So tonight, kind of we've, we've looked at whether you're single or you're kind of working toward married marriage or whether you've been, been married for umpteen years. We've looked at what it's been to be one in body what it's been to be one in mind, but what does it mean to be one in spirit? Okay, we've got, we've got some scriptures here. Um, Ephesians 5. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, it's important that you understand um, that 
before we read the next verse because the next verse is the one that men like to quote. All right? Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Now, being one in spirit is, is, is unique to Christian um, marriages. And I think it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing as well. Um, we need to learn to, to submit to one another. But, but there is a divine order that, that God has for strong Christian marriages. Um, Christy, you want to bring up the next verse of Scripture? And it comes from 1 Corinthians 11. I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ. And the head of every woman is man. And the head of Christ is God. All right? Now, the divine order looks like this. You have the Father over Jesus. Over the husband who is over the wife. Now, um, there is another verse of Scripture. Uh, bring it up first, Chris. Um, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider himself, consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself to become obedient to death, even death on a cross. <clears throat> All right, pull, pull up the next slide. The divine order is that Jesus Christ is equal with God. He is every bit as much God as the Father is. But he submitted to the Father. Do you remember in the Garden of Eden he said, not my will, but yours be done? It had nothing to do with, with him being subservient in any way to God. 
he was equal with God. In the same way, husbands and wives are equal in the sight of God. But I do think that there is um, a real spiritual dimension here that, that we need to, to man up to. I'm talking to men now. We really do need to man up and become the spiritual heads of our homes. The scripture tells us that, that, that Jesus prays for us. And in this divine order, I think it's incumbent upon the husband to pray over his wife and his family. Okay, maybe how about in some family makeups where maybe mum is, is maybe the only saved parent? You know, what, what, what would we say to that in terms of encouragement and in terms of what that might look like? God bless you. God bless you for, for being the spiritual parent in the home. Um, I, I know that um, here, here on Thursday night, um, one, one lady prayed and, and she, was, she was looking around the congregation last Sunday and, and she, said, she said this. Um, I looked around and I was a little bit jealous because I saw couples together and my husband's not saved and I would love him saved. And, and she has become the spiritual head of the home because he's not a Christian yet. And, and she is praying for him uh, to become a Christian um, and hopefully then to, to take the place of the, the spiritual head of the home. I found this, Jordan, um, I'm not, I'm not just saying this about Ruth because we don't have the perfect marriage, all right? We don't. We don't have the perfect marriage at all. And we're still learning and we're still making mistakes, but we're still holding hands, all right? Um, I have learned this, that a woman has no problem submitting to her husband if her husband loves her in the same way that Jesus loved the church and gave himself for the church. So if a man loves a woman selflessly and puts her interests first, that woman has no problem spiritually following him. But if a man says this is the way it is and, and it's selfish, then, then it's, it's spiritual abuse in my eyes. On a practical level then, so, you know, you were saying earlier that um, you and Ruth are 43 years married, mm -hmm. 43. Um, was there anything that you did, like on a practical level, to become or to work toward being one in spirit? Is there anything that you did practically as a couple that helped nurture the element of faith in your marriage? Ruth's very practical. All right, she's very pragmatic. If, if I want to get into a deep theological discussion, Ruth's not the person to talk to. All right, Ruth, Ruth will just say, but the Bible says, just, just do that. That's, it. That's exactly the way it is. And she's, she's very, very practical in her faith. Right. So um, one, one thing that, that, that we have done, and uh, we, we 
we read the scriptures. We read a little. We're, we're going through a little devotional book at the moment. Um, uh, James Dobson um, and his wife have written this book. It's, it's devotions for married couples. Now, we don't talk in any depth about the Trinity on what we think about the Trinity. It's very, very practical stuff. It's down-to-earth stuff. So we were, <laughs> we've been going through this book. It's, it's been really humbling for me because there are a set of questions at the bottom of each page, you know, some, something like, um, do I help you to grow in your spiritual life? And she'll look at me and say, not all the time. <laughs> and, and she's right. Yeah. Not all the time. But um, we, we, we spend that time together. And, and then I pray over her because I, before we leave the house in the morning because I'm, I'm not going to be with her all day. But I pray over her and we pray over the children and our grandchildren. And we just pray for God's protection to be upon them. We pray over the church. We pray over individuals in the church. We pray for families who are going through really difficult times. But we, we just pray over everybody and, and the life of the church and what's going on. And it's, it's not rocket science. You know, it's, it's very, very simple, very, very practical. It's down to earth. And uh, sometimes we get more out of it than others. Yeah. I've got to be honest. Um, but it's, it's like everything else. Our minds don't meet all the time, but we still hold our hands. Yeah. That's the strap line for social media, That's great. by the way. And turn that That's as class. Great. That's good teaching. Legit. Um, okay, then, so as, uh, as a married couple, um, and for many of you, um, I, know, I know it doesn't apply to everybody, but for many who um, are married and who are parents, you know, you've raised two sons and a daughter, over those 43 years, how did your marriage affect the makeup of your home? And how did your marriage affect your parenting? I got to give a lot of credit to Ruth. Um, I, I wasn't around um, most evenings whenever the kids were going to bed. But I, I give a lot of credit to her because she, she prayed with them. She prayed over them. Um, I believe that that she led Ruthie to the Lord um, one evening, and uh, grateful too for Sunday school teachers because um, Sunday school teachers led the boys to Christ. Um, now our boys are not where we would want them to be, and that's a heartache to us, and it's something that we pray about every single day. Uh, and just pray that God would uh, restore the love that they had for him when they were younger, you know. But uh, the impact, I would say, that Ruth's, Ruth's impact on, on the children has been phenomenal. And I'll let you into a secret as well. Um, it's not going to be much of a secret if I tell it. When in, whenever we were having the birds and bees discussion, it was mum that did it. Dad chickened out of it. <laughs> With all three of them. And I've got to say, I really, really have to say this. Um, 
Not because she's, she's sitting there. But you see, if any of the three of them find themselves in trouble, she's the one that Straight they phone. Yeah. 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 Is there anything I see just on that? And I know we need to wrap up in a, in a couple of minutes, but um, is, is there anything I see for, for maybe parents in the room who, you know, maybe their kids did once walk close with the Lord um, and maybe they're now in a season, they're in a stage now where they don't. I know my brother is in that place and I have cousins who, you know, come up through church, come up through BB, come up through loving God and, and I know it breaks, you know, my auntie and uncle's heart to see that they're not following God anymore. Um, for you and Ruth to be in, in that place as well, um, what would you say maybe to those parents who are longing for their kids to come home again in God, um, just to encourage them and to, to keep them going? I, I would say two things. Uh, first thing is never give up on them. Always pray for them. Uh, there's, no, there's no point in preaching that, that God can change things and, and just give up on your kids. You've got you to believe that. The other thing um, that, I, that I say to parents is if their children know that it doesn't matter what they've done or what they've become, they can always go home. And it's up to parents to keep the door open no matter what your kids have done wrong. You can maybe say that that maybe translates to not just to the parents' house, but to God's house, right? And that maybe when, when we get things wrong as followers of Jesus, that the doors of this house is always open. That the doors of our family home here at Carrick are, are always open for people. Before we wrap up, um, I don't know, if, have we touched on 1 Corinthians 11.3 yet? Have we? Yes, we have. We have, we've done that, we've covered that. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, the last thing you have in your notes, and again, it's just to, as, a, as a point of wrapping up more than, more than anything, um, is that although sometimes things in marriage that we've talked about, you just have old-fashioned here. Um, there's maybe some elements of, 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 of marriage, the things that we've talked about, things that we've, we've looked at in, in parenting as well, and, and talking about living life as a couple and, and living life in faith as marriage. And you just have in your notes that are old-fashioned. So much of this stuff in our society today and in this generation seems old-fashioned. But as believers, we want to live in between the lines, right? Yeah. We, we want to go on the right track. We want to go on the right road with God and the difficulty and one of the lies that the enemy tells is that this stuff's old-fashioned is that this stuff isn't relevant anymore is that oh no that was that was the 50s well that, that was your that was your your grandparents generation that was your your parents generation God's word is the way to life God's word in marriage, God's word in relationships and I think and I think we're being honest folks this has been quite an honest interview tonight hasn't it this has been quite an honest time for and I think Ruth and Pastor Philip have really exampled of what it is to live life between the lines, to live life and marriage in a way that actually brings life. And I suppose the challenge for us tonight, church, again, whether you're single, whether you're, 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 you're courting, um, you know, whether you're thinking about getting married, or whether you've been married for years and years and years, I suppose the question for us as a church, guys, is this. Are we going to live back between the lines? Are, are we going to do life between the lines? Are we, are we going to refuse the lies of the enemy that, oh, that's old-fashioned, that's irrelevant? Or, because see, when we believe that, that's when the lines get blurred. 
important, right? That's when things become hazy. That's when things, is this right? Is, is this legit? Do I really have to live my way like that? God's word is so clear. God, God's word is sharper than a double-edged sword. And maybe for us tonight, we're going to allow God to cut us in some places of our hearts to say, you've got to move with me in this. You've got to get back within the lines. Because one thing we talked about during the week was this. Living, see living in between the lines? Things aren't always perfect, but they're safe. Right? Living between the lines doesn't mean life is going to be perfect, but it means life becomes a lot safer for us as believers and for us in our marriage. And so before we, before we wrap up, are there any of our little gems of wisdom before we... There's just one thing came to mind, and um, these are long talks on hot topics. Um, uh, it's just, just one thing. Uh, when, when you ask the question about a young person looking for someone, yes, there needs to be a spark. Uh, you need to be sexually attracted to each other. Look for a Christian. And, and I really didn't expand on that. And I, and I really need to, to say to, to young people here this evening, stay close to God and, and determine what God is saying about this individual. Um, and the other thing is, if you ever find out that the person tells you a lie, I would get out of the relationship as quickly as possible. Because... <clears throat> The scripture is very, very clear that when you put on the armor of God, the first thing that you put on is the belt of truth because it holds everything together. Relationships that are built on lies will fall apart, but relationships that are grounded in the truth have a chance to stand strong. All right. Live in truth in marriage. Do the simple things we talked about earlier, and live between the lines. And I would say a big, big challenge to men: if you're not, if you're not praying with your wife, do it first thing tomorrow morning. In fact, do it tonight, and make a point of praying over your wife and your family, and read the ver read a verse of scripture together. Go and buy James Dobson's book; it'll humble you. <laughs> Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, hopefully, what we'll do, kind of, toward the end of the series, we'll hopefully do these talks once a month. The kind of the sh hopefully short talks on hot topics. Not if I'm involved. Usually, it goes too far over time. But we will try to provide some resources for you, or a list of resources in terms of maybe books on marriage, books and different things that we're going to discuss over the next few months. Uh, kind of where to get them, prices, and all the rest of it. Can I just encourage you as well? Please use the Q and A cards. You know, don't put your name on it if you want, if, unless you want to, but make it anonymous. You know, ask a question. There'll be the opportunity to do that after every short talk, hot topic night. Um, and what it means is hopefully toward the end of the series, we can collect all our Q&A questions together and try to run through some of them so that we're able to answer some of the questions that you have. So if you are on the way out tonight, just, you know, scribble down a question, a quick question that you have. It can be absolutely anything. Maybe it's not even related to tonight, but even if you want to ask a question that we can answer later in the series, we'd really, really encourage you to do that. Feel free to ask anything at all. Okay. All right, I think we'll hand over to the praise band. Um, but if, if, anybody, if anybody wants um, the, the prayer team to pray over them this evening, to pray over their marriage, uh, just, just come and uh, let the prayer team pray with you. Uh, you don't need to reveal 
massive things. You just, just say, I'd like our marriage relationship to be better. Let them pray over you and let God do something amazing in your, your marriage. All right. Okay. Thank you.